Tonight we're in Psalm 140, so you can find your way if you'd like to Psalm 140. But before you do, I want to continue what we've been doing, I think is fantastic, opening up our time with some prayer. And so, one of the things that I want to ask us to pray about, every one of us has been given by God relationships across our community, in our families, in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces or schools. We have been given responsibility to share the gospel with people that are far from God. And I want you right now just to ask the Lord to put some people on your heart. We're going to take some time to pray for those people in our lives that are far from God, that need to know who He is and how much He loves them and what He has done to make it possible for them to have a relationship with Him. So I'm going to let you just take a couple seconds to think about some names. And we're going to spend a little bit of time praying. And the first thing we're going to pray about is those people on your heart that are far from God. I've got a microphone. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask. Now, look, we're not. When I, this is what Brother Wade was telling me today. It's not that one person is just praying for everybody in this room, but that we're going to have someone lead us as we all pray and someone to lead us as we pray over these people who are on your heart. Someone like to volunteer and pray for the, the people in our lives that are far from God. That God, I want to ask you to pray that God would draw them to himself and that God would give us opportunities to share the gospel. And give us the boldness to actually take those opportunities. Because if you're like me, you chicken out more often than you'd like to admit. That God will give us boldness to, to do that. Anybody want to volunteer? I'm going to call on somebody. <laughs> All right. Y'all pray along. Lord, I thank you for this evening, for this time that we all come together to study your word. Lord, I do lift up. I have several names on my list that of people that aren't close to God, that do not know Jesus. And I pray, Lord, especially for these that I know. And Lord, everybody in here knows somebody that needs the Lord in their life. And I just ask that you do give us boldness mm. each day as we meet these people and see them, even people we don't know. Lord, I just ask you to teach us how to be a good disciple mm. and to teach and to love and to care for these people. Yes, Lord. Lord, we know you love them, and you've asked us to also. Mm. I do thank you for Trey and for his commitment to our church, and I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Gary. All right, so we've been praying over staff, and I heard last week y'all prayed for me and my family, and I want to tell you thank you for that. It is a joy and a privilege to be prayed for by you guys. And tonight we're going to pray for Brother Jason Ford. Jason's a dear friend and, and, and just a, a fantastic minister of the gospel. And he has a very important role at our church, and, and I don't know... He's kind of one of those guys that's behind the scenes a lot or, or 
maybe better across the world a lot. He's just not, he's traveling and, and, and leading and he knows about what, he's got a good, he's got his finger on the pulse of what the Lord's doing around this world. And the Lord uses him to help us as a faith family to stay focused on the, on the nations and on our nation as well. And I, I don't know if people understand how much he and his family do to serve the Lord right here in the Mid-South area. They're involved in ministry in Memphis that helps reach out to West Africans that are UUPGs. They're constantly going on local trips in America and also overseas and constantly trying to raise up more and more team leaders to thrust out more and more laborers into the harvest. And they, 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 they live in America just like you and I do, and you already know how busy life is here. And so we're going to spend some time praying for Brother Jason and his family, his wife Beth and their sons, Hatley and Ethan. And we're going to pray God's protection over them. We're going to pray that God will continue just to refresh them and recharge them and help them to minister out of an overflow of walking with Jesus. And we're going to pray that God would continue to give them wisdom as they lead us and that we would just continually be used to expand God's kingdom across the street and around the world. Would someone like to, to lead us as we pray for the Ford family? I know y'all are being humble and y'all don't want to all take the spotlight. All right. Most heavenly and gracious, loving Father, we just come to you with a grateful heart that we're so blessed to have a, a family of the Fords in our community, Lord, that uh, love you with all their heart and serve you in a way that can be an example to us. Mm. Lord, I just uh, want to lift them up to you today and to thank you for them and to ask you to continue to just uh, work through them in a mighty, mighty way. Yeah. Lord, as they uh, serve you, whether they're here, around the world, or on vacation, Lord, I know that they'll, in the, your perfect will. Yeah. Again, we're just so fortunate to have him as just one part of our staff. We ask you to continue to lead this church in the way that you would have us to go. Mm. My prayer, yeah. Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. I heard something um, that I thought was really neat a couple weeks ago at Longview Heights. That's our mother church. Y'all know we weren't a church split, but we're a church plant. I remember early on trying to explain that to folks, and they just were like, no, what do you mean? Are you not a church split? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, they started during their offertory prayer time praying for a local sister church. And I thought, man, that's awesome. I was talking to Wade today, and he said, we're, we're doing that here. And I was like, that's awesome. So we want to be praying for God's kingdom. And to be kingdom-minded is not only focusing on what happens here at 1100 Mackinville. And so we're going to pray now for a sister church who is also a daughter church, if you will. We're going to pray for Riverbend. Riverbend is one of our church plants from Longview Point, and Brian Tillman is the pastor. And they meet kind of more on the west side of town off of Highway 51. They are a gospel-preaching church that seeks to make disciples 
and we want to lift them up and ask God to bless their ministry. So I'd like to ask somebody lead us as we pray for Riverbend Baptist Church. And we know the longer y'all take to volunteer, the longer it's going to take to get out of here, right? <laughs> Mr. Alvin, would you pray for Riverbend? Lord, we uh, are grateful to be able to uh, come to you in, uh, at prayer time. I am reminded of the scripture where Paul uh, encourages us to pray and ask that God will give us according to his riches, not out of his riches. So, Lord, uh, we ask that you, out of your riches, rich, riches mm. and your glory, that you bless Riverbend Church. Mm. I remember when Brian Tillman came from Tate County up here as an interim, and uh, we planted Riverbend Church. Lord, our desire was for him to be way over on the western part of the county, but uh, because you didn't want that happen, to happen, you changed up the whole plan and brought him back here right into the city limits of Hernando. <laughs> and he... They're reaching people, they're baptizing people, they're growing in the Lord, just like we are. Mm. Lord, thank you for reminding us mm. that uh, although we have our wants and, our, and what we think are our needs, you may have something different in store. So thank you for blessing Riverbend. Thank you for blessing the county with another uh, healthy, growing church. Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to watch over all of us and help mm. us to to continue to expand the kingdom right in our dinner tables mm. and across the street and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, thank you. All right, doesn't that feel good just to pray together? I sure am thankful for that example for us to have in Brother Wade to just be praying together like that. Isn't that good? All right, can y'all hear me okay? Okie dokie. I'm a little soft right now, but sooner or later, I'm going to probably get fired up and y'all be able to hear me a little bit better. But we have a psalm tonight. That the first time I read it, I'll be honest with you, I thought, Lord, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> it's kind of tough. And then as the more I read about it and prayed about it and kind of looked into some things, I thought, man, that's just right exactly what we need to hear. God's timing is so good. And I just want to preface tonight with this. There are many of us in our fellowship, we are under attack. We are in a spiritual battle. And we have families that are under attack. Some people are so busy they don't even know they're under attack. Satan's got them right where he wants them. We're waiting for that chance to bust them up. And we need prayer. And we need to focus on the battle around us and the evil that is attacking us. And we need we need this psalm tonight, and I'm so thankful for the privilege to, to pray together. And we have one more prayer point. Y'all help me remember. Uh, one more prayer point before we close, but I thought it'd be good to do that after we study this psalm. Now, you've heard this a lot, probably over a hundred times, but I thought it was a good way to begin. The summary of the psalms from Kendall Easley. God, the true and glorious King, is worthy of all praise and prayer 
thanksgiving and confidence. Whatever the occasion in personal or community life is always, always worthy of all praise and prayer. Thanksgiving and confidence. John Piper says, The Psalms are songs. They are poems. They are written to awaken and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. Poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. Let that sink in. Our emotions are massively important, but they must be yielded to the truth of who God is. Have you ever been misled by your emotions? That's one thing that the Psalms helps us do, is to shape our emotions and express them according to truth. And that's what we're going to seek to do tonight. So Psalm chapter 140. A Psalm of David. According to the first line, the first verse, the title of this psalm is, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongue sharp as a serpent's and under their lips is the venom of asps. Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me. With cords they have spread a net. Beside the way they have set snares for me. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. O Lord, my Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not fulfill, I'm sorry, do not further their evil plot or they will be exalted. As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Let not the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent man speedily. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall Give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. That's a mouthful, isn't it? How about we pray about this and ask God for help? Lord, tonight we read words that are weighty. And we read them from a context in history that's so far, far from ours. The sayings are different. And Lord, we just need your help to understand your word, to rightly divide it, and to apply it to our lives. And God, I pray, I pray for help tonight, for us to understand your word 
And I pray, God, for every single soul in this place, God, wherever we may be in our journey with you, for those that may not know you, would you draw them to yourself tonight? For those of us who have walked with you, Lord, help us to walk with you deeper and to trust you more. God, help us, Lord, to to resolve in our hearts to apply your word and to live for your glory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a little summary at, at the, in your notes. Psalm 140 teaches us how to handle evil attacks. Often, we are tempted to fight back and to lash out. But this psalm is an example of turning it all over to the Lord. We're going to have to do that momentarily. That's not a one and done. We have to turn it all over to the Lord moment by moment. Thought by thought, fear by fear. Poetry, sorry, I just went back to a whole other paragraph. Um, He is present. He is able to help. And He is worthy of our trust. Even while under attack, we should trust the Lord's sovereignty. And we should praise Him even when we find ourselves under attack. And I, th- I think King David is a prime example of someone who did that continually. And we'll look at that a little bit later. So let's break down this psalm just a little bit. Number one, we see that we should turn to the Lord in hard times. We should turn to the Lord in hard times. You know, I think sometimes God sends hard times towards us to remind us to turn to Him, to look to Him. C.S. Lewis said that pain is the megaphone of God. He uses it to get our attention. Sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, spiritually, sometimes by circumstances outside of our control. We should turn to the Lord in hard times. In verses 1 through 5, I want you to notice what David is up against from these evil men that he's talking about. By the way, we're going to look at this in a minute, but just to go ahead and give you a heads up, Scripture calls every one of us evil. You know that? Apart from Christ, you and I, we are evil. I don't, I don't know if we always like to hear that, but I think it's good to be reminded lest we start casting stones too soon. But these men in verse 1 are men of violence. Violence. In verse 2 it says that these evil men of violence have evil plans. They plan evil. You know there are people all around us that are just plotting evil. Many of these people I believe are being controlled by spiritual forces that are evil. I don't know if we think about this enough in this Western context where everything is explained away by science or medicine, but there are people all around that are being controlled by demons. They are evil. You might ask, where are they? I think a lot of times we put them in psych wards, lock them up in prisons, and we don't see them. I think it'd be good if we ask God, give us discerning eyes to see with spiritual kingdom eyes. Help us to see the root of evil. 
They have evil plans. There is a, number three, they constantly are stirring up wars. There's this constant stirring up of battles and war and trouble. And that could be happening across nations. That could be happening in churches. That could be happening in families, in communities, stirring up wars. These evil men are making slanderous attacks. Slanderous attacks in verse 3. They make their tongue sharp as a serpent's. And under their lips is the venom of asps. That's figurative language. It's poetic language. But it means they have sharp tongues, venomous speech. It reminds me of the Proverbs. How powerful, or the book of James, how powerful our tongues can be. Now, that verse, that very verse, verse 3, is quoted by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3. When Paul, and we're going to look at that in a minute, Paul is making the case that all people, Jews and Greeks alike, all people, Gentiles, we are separated from God. No one is righteous. And he makes that verse apply to all people. Now, surely none of you have ever said anything slanderous. Well, maybe before you were saved, right? Surely those of us in Christ would not speak with evil intent towards another person. But man, don't we? Our hearts can be so deceptive that we do it and we think we're spreading prayer requests and we're spreading rumors. We need God's help. We need His help to expose that in our own hearts, not just around us. But these evil men are characterized by slanderous attack. And these evil men, verse 4 and 5, are setting traps. They're setting traps. David prayed, Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me. And with cords they have spread a net beside the way. They have set snares for me. That reminds me to think about the the spiritual battle that we are in. Now there are some of us who have been treated this way physically. Where there have been people just out to get us. And this shows us how to respond. Because you know when someone speaks ill against you, what's the, the first response? Usually is you feel hurt, you feel embarrassed, you feel attacked. Maybe you want to retaliate, right? When someone's slandering your name, trying to trip you up, trying to make you look bad, maybe it's in the workplace, maybe it's in your family or community, school. I'll tell you what, I think back to high school and man, kids are mean. Junior high, some of the words that we said and how they scarred people, I, I've shared this, I've shared this before. I have a bad memory. If you know me, you'll know that. I'm, I'm absent-minded. 
And I have a bad memory. But I remember something like yesterday. I remember when I graduated high school and went down to school at Northwest, getting out of that, that facade of high school and all the hierarchy that's there, and everybody thinks that you're cool if everybody likes you, and, man, you're just on top of the game. And the way you step on people to get to that top sometimes, the way you talk bad about people, make them feel bad about themselves to try to make yourself feel better. There was a lady, young lady, that people were mean to. Man, if I could go back in time and stand up for those people. I try to tell my son, he's only nine, Micah, stand up for people that are being treated and mistreated. Take up for those kind of people. Man, I wish I would have done that. And this young lady, I was walking down the road at Northwest, going to class, and I passed her. We're not under our, our high school facade anymore. And I don't know hardly anybody anymore. There's people from all over Mississippi, and there's somebody I know. And I said hi to her. And you know what she did? She walked by me and just looked at her feet. She never acknowledged me, and I know why. She was hurt. She was hurt by people like me, and I was part of that, laughing and just having that slanderous, murderous speech. We hurt people with our words. We have to be careful. And kids aren't the only ones. Adults do it too. My wife works at the nursing home across, well, not nursing home, but works at, at a retirement community. Old people can be mean too. It's not just kids. I think that's why Paul prayed that his speech would be seasoned with grace. We have to be careful that we speak words that build up and not tear down. None of us are exempt. We have to guard our tongue. I want you to notice next how, well, sorry, I got one. This is a quote from Spurgeon that kind of sums up those verses that we just looked at in 1 through 5. David's enemies were as violent as they were evil, as crafty as they were violent, and as persistent as they were crafty. That's what he's up against. Evil, hurtful, attacking, trying to trip him up and, and, trip and, and harm him. So notice how David runs to the Lord. Point number two. Notice how David runs to the Lord with these concerns. Now remember, this is King David, who has the might, David's mighty men. Remember about David's mighty men? Those who could take their weapons and bust through the line and go and scoop up a drink of water from the fountain of Shalom and fight their way back and bring it to David. You remember that story? David's mighty men. This is David who conquered Goliath when he was so small that nobody would even consider him as a king. This is King David, a mighty warrior who could have taken things into his own hands more often than he did. But what does he do? He runs to the Lord. In verse 1, you see a plea for deliverance. Deliver me, O Lord. Deliver me. In verse 1, you see a plea for preservation. He says, preserve me from violent men. In verse 4, you see, preserve me from violent men. You see a plea to be guarded. 
verse 4, he says, Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. So what does he do? He turns these things into prayer. You ever feel attacked? Could be by a spouse. Could be by co-worker. Could be by someone that's meaning to persecute you. I was going over these verses today and with some of the other staff and, and Derek Fortenberry, our worship pastor, said, that makes me think of the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. When people speak ill of you, to turn it back as a blessing and to count it a joy to be persecuted for Jesus' namesake. I think back to when I, back before I was saved, I was working out of high school at FedEx. Worked out there at the hub. There was a young man there that loved Jesus. And he made me feel guilty because of his love for Jesus. See, I still call myself a Christian even though I wasn't one. I grew up in a, in a, in a church-going family. I knew about the Lord. I, I'd been to church. I'd made professions of faith. I had been baptized, gone to Sunday school and student camp. Called myself a Christian. But this guy lived it out, and it made me feel guilty. And he'd invite me to church, and he would say, man, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't talk like that. Man, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't treat those girls around here like that. Man, you should come to church with me. And you know what I did? Now, I'm sh- this guy was twice my size. If he weren't not a true believer, he could have wiped the floor with me. But he just loved me. And I'd fight back and I'd be mean and I'd make fun of him in front of other people and we'd chuckle and laugh and pick on him for being just a goody two-shoes. And He just was patient, putting up with it, loving on me, even though I mistreated him. David runs to the Lord. He takes these requests to God. And he trusts in God's sovereignty. So, I'm going to keep going. In the midst of attack, we learn in this psalm to look to the Lord. In the midst of attack, look to the Lord. Verse 6, David says, O Lord, I say to the Lord, you are my God. I'm telling you what. Remember that. When you feel under attack or when you feel fear or you have pressure coming your way that's out of your control. By the way, most everything is out of control. Think about it. Except the way we respond. Look to the Lord and claim Him as your God. That is huge, y'all. We serve the God most high. We serve the God who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He is sovereign. And He is on His throne. And He is not wringing His hands trying to figure out what to do. He is never caught by surprise. He is our God. And doesn't He take care of us? We have entrusted our souls to Him. Should we not trust everything else with Him? And how quick, how quick we try to take things back and to control them ourselves and not trust Him 
I got a, a good friend, someone that I love dearly. He's going through a hard time. And he's like, man, my mind is just going crazy with all these fears and all these worries and all these thoughts. I'm like, bro, you just got to trust Christ. Trust him. He's worthy of your trust. And he's like, I'm trying, Trey. Man, I'm trying, but they just keep coming. And I said, every fear, every worry, every lie, every attack, turn it into prayer. Trust him. He's our God. He's your God. You're his child. You belong to him. He is worthy. He is good. Remember, the Lord is our God. He's on his throne. He's still sovereign today like he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. He is worthy. Pray for mercy. Pray for mercy. Verse 6. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. Pray for mercy. God, give me mercy. I cannot do this in my own strength. Y'all, I have been in situations in life. The only prayer I could utter was God help. Help. I don't even know what else to pray. God, help. And do you know what God did? He answered my prayer. He gave me help. Sometimes we just have to say, God, give me mercy. Help me. And I'm going to trust in your mercy. And I'm going to trust that if I'm going through it, you're allowing me to go through it. And I'm going to ask you to give me the grace to get through it. God, help. Pray against the wicked. A lot of this psalm, a, whole, a huge portion of this psalm is praying against the wicked. They are seeking to devour David. They are seeking to set up a trap and trip him up. They are after him. They are slandering his name. They are trying to hurt him. And I think of case after case in David's life where this could have been true. Think about it with me. Think about when Saul was hunting him down like a dog and he was running in the wilderness, hiding in caves. It wasn't a luxurious cave. It was a cold, dark, dirty cave. And he had chances, remember, where his men said, look, God has surely delivered Saul into your hands. And he got close enough to take Saul's life more than once. But he decided not to. And he decided to trust the Lord in that circumstance. They were after him. They wanted his blood. His own son took away his kingdom. Y'all remember that weird story after he's fleeing from Absalom? And there's this man. Where's it at? In 2 Samuel 16, there's a guy named... Shimei. And he's just throwing dirt and throwing rocks at David and cursing him. And all along the way, and his men, David's men are like, this is my king. Who is this dead dog thing he is? Let us go and chop off his head. And David said, no. Perhaps God has put it on his heart to curse me. You're talking about trust in God's sovereignty. Can you imagine having the authority to say, yeah, chop his head off. Shut that dude up. But it says that they reached their destination and they were tired and they were dirty. He was worn down. And all the while, he's trusting God. 
And he's taken his fears and he's taken his frustration and he's taken his anger and he's turning it into prayer. God, why are you letting me go through this? Why are you letting this guy do this to me? God, help me. God, help me. That's what we got to do. We got to pray. Now, I'll tell you something else. There's a lot of prayers in the Psalms that are very, very, very bold. God, destroy the wicked. I think there's a time and place for that. God, this is out of my hands, and I'm going to trust you with it. But I pray that you remove that person from this circumstance and protect your righteousness and protect your people. I've got a friend, we used to joke with him. I'm not going to mention names at all. But there was a person in his church that was having influence and teaching false things. He was a teenager, and he prayed, God, I pray that whatever it takes, you remove that person, and they died. (laughs) And all his friends said, you killed that guy. (laughs) Maybe so. God's serious about that stuff, and we can go to him and ask for his justice, and we can trust that when God says, vengeance is mine, that he means it. And instead of us doing it and taking it into our own hands, we pray, God, would you please remove that person? God, would you please? First and foremost, could we pray with integrity? God, would you save them? But God, would you do whatever it takes to remove them from that place where they're causing so much harm and so much destruction? God, would you, would you, would you protect us from the wicked? In verse 12, we see that we, in the midst of attack, we should remember God's character. King David said, I know that the Lord will maintain the case of the afflicted. God is not letting these things happen without plans for it to be made right. There's a day of reckoning that every sin will be punished and paid for. There is a day if if it's covered by the blood of Christ or if it's not, that it will be paid for. We can trust that. We can believe that. We can rest in God's character. And also, I wanted to ask you, remember. Remember the big picture. Look at verse 13. Remember the big picture. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence I'm reminded of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 this momentary suffering does not compare with the glory that's yet to be revealed remember that we will find ourselves one day in the presence of God we who are in Christ will be in heaven with him forever and all along the way here's another part of the big picture the suffering that you experience sometimes even at the hands of evil men God is conforming you into the image of Christ through that. How many of us have gone through extreme suffering and come out a little bit more refined, a little bit more humble, a little bit less confident in ourselves and more confident in God? Remember the big picture. Part of the big picture is this. David isn't just talking about the evil people that attack us. I told you a minute ago in Romans chapter 3, Paul uses this verse to kind of remind us of who we really are and how much we need God's grace. 
Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read a big portion, but for context's sake, verses 9 through 26. Paul says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And it is written. And then he has a long list of quotes from the different Psalms. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Verse 13, listen to this. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Remember that in in, uh, Psalm 140. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are the ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is every one of us without Christ. Now, verse 19, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Oh, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read a little bit more. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He has passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All that to be said in verse uh, in, in uh, Psalm 140, verse 3, it says that the evil people have mouths, have venom under their lips like asps, like serpents, like snakes. Paul quotes that in Romans chapter 3, and the context here is no one is righteous. All of us need Jesus Christ. All of us need. It's hard to say, so am I without Jesus. Now, one of my fears in the South, one of my fears is cultural Christianity. I grew up going to church, calling myself a Christian, completely living for the world and for my flesh, unsaved, unsurrendered, unchanged. And by God's grace, he drew me to himself and opened my eyes and saved me. And many of us go through the motions and we, we look really good on the outside. But if we're really honest, there's not been that time of being born again into Christ. It's not about religion. It is not about do's and don'ts. It's not about the law. This verse exposes that we are all 
evil and ruined and in need of a Savior. So let me encourage you. Don't look towards any righteousness of your own and don't try to be good enough to get to heaven. It is all about Jesus and what He did on the cross to make propitiation for our sins. And in Him, we can be saved. And only in Him. The religious and the, and the irreligious alike. Part of the big picture. Another part of the big picture is this. We are in a spiritual battle. It is not just about flesh and blood. Remember Ephesians chapter 6. It is so good to be reminded. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? He'd love for us to think so. He'd love for us to be naturalistic and not think supernaturally and big picture and not think kingdom-minded. He would love for us to continue to think we're wrestling with flesh and blood. He would love for husbands and wives to think it's about those other people attacking us. It's not. It's the flesh. It's the spiritual battle around us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's why we must put on the armor of God. Big picture. I think about 1 Peter, verse 5. 1 Peter, verse 5. Sorry, 1 Peter, chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 6 and 11, 6 through 11. Humble, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. Be watchful. The devil is like a roaring lion. He is the one that is attacking us. And, and too often, too often, having his way, destroying the testimony of Christians who have been bought by the blood of Christ, busting up our families and leading our children astray, creeping into our homes, creeping into our culture. It's not just the left that has an agenda. It is Satan himself that wants to destroy our land. We must be on guard. This is a spiritual battle that we fight. And we must first and foremost fight it with spiritual war. Fight it with spiritual weapons. So here's the main point. Let fear, let worry, and let attacks from evil drive you to prayer. And trust the Lord always. Don't be so quick to take it into your own hands. Don't be so quick to fight this thing in the ways of the world. But let it drive you to prayer. All the more. Every worry, every fear, every anxious thought. Let it drive you to prayer, moment by 
moment. Be watchful. Be watchful. Ask God to give you kingdom eyes and an eternal perspective as we face these things attacking us. So here's some application. Trust the Lord always. The implication there is even when it's hard and even when we're under attack, trust the Lord always. Turn your fear and your worries into prayer. According to Philippians 4, if you do that, God will give you peace that surpasses understanding. You can have peace when it doesn't seem like you should. When you really, truly turn your fears and your worries and your anxieties into prayer and trust the Lord. And pray. Listen to me. When you find yourselves in these times, pray like it's all that you can do and pray like it's the most that you can do. Sometimes we say, all I can do is pray. And I know what you mean, but remember that most that you can do is pray. There's a book that I like about prayer and the author says that we do our best parenting on our knees. We cannot get into the heart of our children, but Jesus can. He can get in there and He can speak truth and He can guard them by the Holy Spirit. We must pray like it's not just all that we can do, but it's the most that we can do. And remember the big picture. Think long game. We sometimes get so sucked into the temporal attack, that that struggle that's just competing for our attention, seeking to distract us from God. And it feels like we'll never get out, but we will. Someone once said their most favorite phrase in the Bible is that it came to pass. This season will come to pass. And it might bring a, bring a season of joy, it might bring a, a season of suffering, but it'll come to pass. But think big picture. Think long game. I got, I got two verses for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. As you think long game, remember heaven. Remember what it's going to be like. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I want you to name it and claim it. Y'all don't hear that very much, do you? Not from this pulpit. This is truth from God's Word. This isn't prosperity gospel. Name it and claim it. Believe it. The suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Those of us who are in Christ have so much to look forward to. And then there's another verse, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know what that means? No matter what you go through, God will use it for good to conform us into the image of Christ. 
and therefore, maybe not in the moment, it might not feel like it, but it's going to be worth it. Don't you want to look more like Christ? Don't you want to respond more like Christ? What did Jesus say on the cross when he hung there dying for the sins of the world while people passed by and hurled insults at him and wagged their head with just disgust? He saved others, but he can't even save himself. Come off the cross and we'll believe you're the Christ. And Jesus hung there and said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That's who I want to be like. And that's how we be like him is trusting our Father and remembering it's a spiritual battle. Now, one last prayer, one last time of prayer. Our families are under attack. There's people that are suffering right now, struggling. Some people are struggling with addiction and sickness, and some people are struggling in their marriages and in their homes. And we need to go to God and pray for mercy and we need to pray against evil. And we need to ask Him to, to preserve us and help us to live for Him and to have kingdom eyes. And I want everyone in this room to be praying like that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be stingy. I'll lead us and voice this prayer. Father, tonight, help us to be not only like King David or the Apostle Paul, but help us to be like you. Lord Jesus, help us to have humility and help us to trust in you. And as we find ourselves under attack, help us to remember the spiritual side of things. Would you give us the grace to pray for those who attack us and ask for their salvation? And Lord, would you give us the grace to trust those who are murderous and mean, who hurl out insults to us, Help us to show agape love and to return their insults. Help us to return love and speech that is seasoned with grace. Lord, help us to be reminded that we have an enemy that's prowling around and help us to resist him and look towards you to submit ourselves to you. God, help us to see this battle and help us to run to Christ and help us to put on the, the, the spiritual armor. Faith and righteousness. And help us, our feet, to be shod with the gospel, the readiness of the gospel. Lord, I pray for our families that are struggling. God, would you save them? Preserve them. Use them as a testimony of your grace. Restore them. Lord, for those who have even though they're your children and in this church it might be stirring up trouble, God, would you, would you convict them? Would you draw them to yourself? Those in this place that may not know you, would you save them? Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in our church and in our families. In Jesus' name, amen.